Hello and welcome to Consumer Culture, the show where Jesse talks while I watch Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Hello Jesse, how are you? I'm almost done with Next Generation, but I had to take a break. Oh, I'm um, in the. Fi- I'm Adam, by the way. I'm your host. Jesse is my co-host. We. I'm in the fifth yes. season of Deep Space Nine. Very good. I'm we'll we'll the, have we'll have we'll a nonstop there. five we'll hour there. special uh, on Star Trek one day. Have you uh Have you ever seen anything from the Tribbles episode of Deep Space Nine? Oh have you ever no, heard no, of that? no no no! I've only seen the original. Okay, so the Tribbles episode of Deep Space Nine. There's something that like sends them back in time to the original Enterprise on because you know there's <laughs> an episode of the original Star Trek, The Trouble with Tribbles. And yes. so they like green screen the actors and splice them into old footage from that original episode. Oh no. And so it's like Captain Cisco and like Commander Dax and the camera pans over and there's Kirk and Picard from the original Trouble with Tribbles episode. It's so good. Like honestly, you can watch that That's episode cool. out of context. Like there's no real story stuff in that episode. Uh, yeah, yeah. It is so like so you know like original Star Trek the Klingons look super different than they do in like Next oh, Gen yes. and all that. They're yeah. sitting in like the mess hall and there's Klingons in there, and and like a waitress comes just like if you ask me for another you know racchino I'm gonna scream who's been ordering racchino those Klingons and they turn and look and they look at the Klingons and Worf is there and they turn and look at Worf and they go <laughs> what happened here. And he just said, he just says, uh, it's very personal. Klingons don't like to talk about it. It just so Klingons good. do not talk. Every everybody watched the season five episode. It's called Trials and Tribulations. Like you don't have to watch <laughs> any you have to watch any other Deep Space Nine. Watch that episode. Slayed. It is so good. I but regardless, slayed. that's not yeah. why we're here today. Uh, I... Jesse, why don't you why don't you tell the good people uh, what you've cooked up for us today? I am more than just a little excited for this episode. Um, it's one of the first ideas I had, even beyond exactly what I knew what I wanted to do for um, the podcast in general. Um, we uh, this is a music episode. Um, it's called, I'm going to just call it um, The Other Wonders. And what we're doing is um, probably every other month or so, something like that, we're going to focus on one decade and 15 songs, 15 one hit wonders that you know everybody knows because why wouldn't they? Um, and then we're gonna oh, look it at is the 15, second. Isn't it? I didn't yeah. realize exactly how many because, like, it hit a point where I was loading this stuff up to my soundboard. It's just like, man, this is a lot. This is a lot. Although I did double my workload, did but double. go on. Yeah, um, so 15 songs, uh, per decade. We started 80s because that's where, um, it's the like one the hit birth. wonder really yeah. mattered the most, where, where that was the concept the, really like, born. You had this like um, confluence of like radio becoming more prevalent yeah. and MTV and like cassette tapes yes. making it at home music more accessible and like all of that kind of like came to and, and like the single being a big deal like a cassette yeah. sing like a single as they were called yeah. uh, and so yeah but like, we're looking beyond the one hit wonders and seeing what mostly for America but in general in case it didn't chart at all in America which some of the cases are here yeah um, the second highest charting single for each of these bands just to see like if we were missing out if we made the right decision to stop listening to these people uh just different stuff like that just just to see if if there was a difference and i think there can be no greater hindsight than the technology we have now and our our age difference and how long ago it's like what now 40 years for almost every single one Uh, no well am i wrong oh god 
Yeah, sorry, no, it just hit me that 1980 will be 40 years ago in two yeah, yeah, years. Yeah. We're all yeah, gonna. So we're getting there, man. You want to know what fucked me up the other day? <laughs> you realize how old you were? No, I'm about to fuck you up too. We are <laughs> we are as far away from 2030 as we are from 2006. <laughs> right? Yes. Oh my god, dude. Um. I'm going to die one day. I'm already losing my hair. God. Man, if this is what's happening to you with uh, talking about songs from 1980, when we get to, well, to no, the 2000s, it's, the it's not like 1980 itself. It's just you hitting me I with know, like, no, it's not 40 years. The 2000s will actually oh, remind 40 you. Years. The 2000s will actually oh, remind yeah. you how old you are when we get there. Um, but I think ultimately... Because I wasn't alive for any of this. Right. Um, I think ultimately uh, my plan for the future is... Um, if not every month, every like six, seven yeah, weeks, we'll, we'll get, um, we'll get, get an around to 80s, it. 90s, and then 2000s because the 2010s aren't done. And yeah. also, um, real quick, I want to break down the idea more than the actual definition of a one hit wonder. Yeah, like it's, I, it's we, so we muddy talked, by now. We in talked the last a lot eight about years this. of this decade. It's, yeah, it's so muddy. We talked but, a lot about this that like there is no scientific way to like. You, yes, you can look at charts and all that, but like, no, a one-hit wonder is something you feel in your gut. You just know if something's a one-hit wonder. But the concept really changes by decade. Now, I want to mm-hmm. start with what Top 40 meant when they started doing that. And that was like in the 50s when it was really prevalent, 50s and 60s. And the Top 40 was the 40 biggest radio stations in the country. That's what yep. Top 40 meant. And whatever the 40 songs playing the most in those 40 radio stations, that was the Top 40. But then when charts really hit in the 70s, but even more in the 80s, 80s is really why I started. We might go back just once for the 70s because there are a couple that I'd like to um, explore. But 80s, again, is where One Hit Wonder became a thing because of the Billboard charts, because of the Hot 100. But they still kept the idea of the top 40. So it's the definition of One Hit Wonder is if only one song breaks the Hot 100 top 40 in the chart positions however some of these bands also have songs that broke i think the highest is nine and ten for some of these but you know i'm just gonna dare you when we name these bands name yeah. two songs just name two thing. songs yeah like like these and bands we can have two hit wonders that's a yeah, thing too like this but band, you're not gonna remember the second as much as the first like these bands have big hits and so just momentum whatever they follow up with is going to get some traction, like, oh, especially yeah. in the 80s, especially in yes. the 80s. The world yes. was so much smaller. Like Everybody's going to want to know what the Flock of Seagulls got coming on next. And right. it'll chart, but it's not remembered. And oh. that's where like the gut feeling comes from. Like You don't remember them, yeah. which makes and them we a one-hit definitely, wonder. Yeah, we definitely don't for our age. So for you know, depending on how old you are, you're going to be like, holy shit, I forgot this yep. existed, or wow, I can't believe this existed. <laughs> yep. All right, so I have the soundboard. I take the reins. Uh, <laughs> oh, God. So what I've got here, uh, Jesse sent me all the songs he wanted me to grab, and I was like, while we're here, I'll just get the songs they're known for as well. Because some of these, like, he sent me... So <laughs> I had a brain fart. Or I, was, I was, like, tired or something like that when we were going over this. And so I thought we were just, like, for a moment, I was, like, half asleep. And it was just, like, I thought we were talking about one-hit wonders. And so he sends me this list of songs, and I'm like, I don't know what any of these fucking songs are. Like, what? You, why'd you pick this? Why didn't you pick Take On Me? Why'd you pick this weird aha? Oh. 
<laughs> oh, I get it. That's the point. Exactly. So I went ahead and grabbed them because there were some bands where I was just like, I have no idea. What? Yeah, a lot. If you really, the actual real definition of a one-hit wonder to me is probably you know the song, you don't know the band. Yep. I think if you want to go like art. Absolutely. No, you keep going. Keep going. It's yeah. Uh, Especially so this one. I don't yes. think anyone can name this if they're not from yes. Australia. That's why I'm like letting this go for a little bit because this song is about yeah. a minute wind up before you actually realize what song it is. Yeah, this is you, Midnight Oil. They're yeah. a huge Australian activist band. Um, and I think they actually probably might have influenced a lot down the road. I'd say that. They remind me of a lot of modern bands, but especially, you know, this course and also the one of the second big song, it's, which didn't it, chart as much. It but. struck me how I like that second song. Like, it's really interesting. A lot of these bands, this the second song is either a carbon copy of the first, or yeah. it's like one of three things. Carbon copy of the first. It is a crappy reflection of the first, or totally different. Yeah. Alright, so here, here we go. Super activisty. Like, um, yeah, uh, I always knew this from the VH1 thing, but uh, the lead singer, Peter, Peter Garrett, became the <laughs> Minister of Environmental Protection in 2007 for <laughs> oh, Australia. Sorry, you just called him Peter. I did say Peter. <laughs> Peter. I mean, Peter, Peter, six and one half of those are the other. Uh, but yeah, no, that doesn't shock me at Peter. all. That, that, Peter. like, Peter. absolutely. Yeah. Like, of course he did. And then after that, he became minister of um, youth education for four years. <laughs> and I'm surprised he made it four years. I'll show you. I should throw yeah. out their whole governments at once. They just did it a couple weeks ago. <laughs> so yeah. Well, so like, now he's back with the band. Okay. See, that's Midnight Oil. Like everybody knows that song. Everybody knows that chorus. It is. Yes. It is the chorus that you would make if you were making a parody of activist songs. Chorus. Like if yeah. you're making a parody of an activist song. You don't make a parody of We Are the World. You go after Beds Are Burning. Because, like, Beds Are Burning is a good song. Incredibly popular. But, like, looking back at it now, like, through the, like, irony and cynicism of 2018, it is just such a self-important song. Like, that song thinks it's the most important thing in the world. I I like the second part. It's like, how can we sleep with our beds are burning? That's really good. But the Mm -hmm. first one is, how can we dance when our world is turning? And I all I think of is like, how can we see ourselves if our eyes are mirrors? How can no? Excuse me. How can how can mirrors be real if our eyes aren't real? And I know that because I made one of those jokes last night, and (laughs) I had to look it up to make sure. So this is fresh on my mind. But yeah, so it's like, yeah, how do we dance when the world is turning? So just never dance. Because like dance. you're implying Cause... that the world turning is a bad thing, and if I've if the if if the Aaron <laughs> Eckhart Stanley Tucci masterpiece The Core taught me one thing, it's that the world always needs to turn. Excuse me, you and Hillary Swank. The other way. And Hillary Swank. Okay, so uh, we're going into their second biggest song, um, Blue Sky Mine. Which, yeah, um, I was about to say. So I have all that. Like, actually, I have a Google Doc with like the stuff, and I have the stuff on my soundboard. Nowhere on this do I have the song names written down. 
That's totally fine. Like so, I'm, I'm gonna rely on I have that. I have notes on stuff. Okay. So okay. like beds are burning charted um 17 in the US, 6 in Australia. The second biggest hit for them in Australia is Blue Sky Mine in the 90s, which is this one. Um, it it did hit number one in the alt and mainstream rock charts in America, but again, yeah, those don't really count when you're thinking of what one hit one. Especially in 1990. Yeah, which is I think when it really started. Ushering in the 90s, we have our Can first we... harmonica solo. Yeah. That's how you know it's the 90s. They did this. They were ahead of their time. A, does this guy have just like a bunch of automatic weapons in his trunk, or is that just the guy from Blue Traveler? He, he is bald. That Blue Traveler isn't bald. He's just I meant, I meant for guys who have a bunch of weapons in their trunk. Oh, true. Yeah. <laughs> All right. That's fair. Boy, what you're silly. really just... God. Be like, this is really 80s, but then they kind of do this shift. If anything, I think this is like a shift from like 1990 into the 80s here. This is a very 80s verse. That's fair. I talked about like the delineation between the 80s and the 90s. I actually saw a really good point. Like, a lot of the stuff you think about when you think of the decade is from the latter half of the decade. Yes. Like, when you think about the 80s, what you're actually thinking about is stuff from 1985 to, like, 1993. Like, yes, yes. We they were talking about when does the 80s end? When do, like, culturally the 80s end? And I think they had the perfect line in the sand, which is Jurassic Park. The release of that movie is when the 80s ended and the 90s began, like culturally. And I think that is the perfect line I in the sand. Yeah. It broke it broke records. Yeah. It stood just made testament. And it like um, and it like changed like it, it influenced an entire generation. Um but yeah, but yeah so boy, even is... parts of beds are burning, but this one too made me think of a lot of like current bands, like you know, Mumford and Sons kind of and I, mean, I can see that different like, stuff like that. Just I, like, I just wonder like how acoustic... successful these guys would have been if they did all this now. Yeah, I don't think Minus they, the like, harmonica. I don't think like I think they're too genuine like mm, to, to have maybe. that effect. I think they would just be laughed out of the room because their shit is very like listen, these songs are kinda like they really like the smell of their own farts. Like they think they are they are changing the world talking about there's gonna be food on the table tonight. Like, come on man, calm down. Like structurally, yeah. Like, oh hey, it's some white dude crooning with an acoustic guitar behind him. That'll get traction. But like, I just don't think, I don't think they would like, ma like maybe like 2004, like they would have had something. But today, I don't think so. Maybe. Um, I do like that you basically said genuine and like the smell of their own farts in the same tunes. <laughs> yeah. Um. But yeah, like it's, uh, they it's, it's they right. charted like, a lot though in Australia. Like they oh, they were stables for the most part. Um, they didn't really stop charting till like 2000. Because Australia grabs any band of theirs that gets traction and doesn't let go. Puts them up. Yeah, uh, that's fair. But yeah, like this song Why just kind of feels like the first one. Like it's it's Ooh, not as yeah. anthemic. But yeah. it's you can Absolutely. tell like it's it just kind of feels like them uh, latching onto it 
you know, latching on to the success of the first one, like, oh, we need to still have some kind of big, important fucking have this and that of, and the other. And... Have you ever heard of the band Frightened Rabbit? I have not. Um, they're uh, kind of like an indie Brit pop band, and they have a couple of eco songs kind of like this, and they, they reminds me of this a lot. Um, they're, they're definitely more of our decade style, though, like more glossy and, and colorful, but um, it makes me think of them for yeah, whatever reason. I can see that. Yeah, like that's the thing. I think if that band had more personality and like a bit more color, then yes, I think they could absolutely like, like, yeah, like show up today and, and, and get that traction, but there's just something a bit beige about them. Like, they're just, like, there's talent there, but they're just kind of boring. Which was okay in the 80s. Boring in the 80s was fucking fantastic. Like, boring <laughs> in 2018 is, in, is great in the 80s. But yeah, now you listen to that and it's just like, man, that is, that is just, that's just wallpaper, man. That's just <laughs> absorbing into my brain and just immediately going away. Uh, so from Midnight Oil, we go into Lips Inc. And Lips Inc. is another one of those. Where I was like, I saw this. And I'm like, who the fuck are Lips Inc.? And it's like, yeah. oh yeah, Lips Inc. <laughs> so I actually really love that you brought up um, when you think of the 80s or whatever decade yeah. you think of the latter half. Because this song coming out in 1980... Yep. And it was a it's number very one 70s. hit. It's very 70s. Yeah, it is. It's dub, it went double platinum. And I think this song is is just the last hurrah of the, of the funk era. It's, it is a celebration, and then it's gone after this. I don't think there's anything that remotely sounds like this in the 80s that makes a hit. This is the last stand. I don't know. Because when I think of this... What about, well, I guess, yeah, we'll, we'll get to one later. Because when I think of this song, I think song. of, like, uh, Play That Funky Music and Lake yeah. Freak it's and very, stuff like yes. that. It's I mean, very that's all Rick 70s. James. It's very, like, The Hustle, yeah. It's very yeah. 70s. Yeah, I think this is the last thing. I don't know a song in the 80s that's anything remotely as funky as this. Yeah, like, well, like, you have, like, the sort of the introduction of rap. Like, uh, early rap is yes. very based on funk. like Which, uh, which takes a point. Which we'll get into that in a second as well. Yeah, like Rapper's Delight and stuff like that. But yes, it is It is taking yeah. this established thing and twisting it a little bit. And what this thing really looks out is that it literally... It's like six minutes long. And it mm -hmm. has like 20 moving parts. And it just transfers to different parts of yeah. the funk era. Like, there was that introduction and stuff and then uh -huh. the main meat here yeah. is even more like funk nonsense and, and like do you know why it had such a long introduction like a lot of these songs you'll realize have very long introductions for like discos and stuff or it's for radio playing you start the song and the dj the dj talks you it's into the, the song like that's why us. a lot of songs oh a lot of songs in the 80s have really long intros because you want yeah. that you want you don't want the song to kick in for 30 right. 45 seconds so the dj could be like start playing the song like all right you listen to hot 107 you know you know where the hits never stop and this and that and the other and then they fade into the song when like the lyrics hit like when the Funk song starts out. yeah yeah so that's why a lot of songs like in the 70s and 80s have super long intros so the dj yeah. you give the dj plenty of time they would have separate versions for the radio even that had longer intros yes. than normal but yeah this is super disco like super funky like those strings like yeah, it's so why strange. it's like the then, strings is what I always come back to. 
Because like and then saxophone. <laughs> yeah, like the strings. People talk so about disco with like parts, like so electronics many. and like electronica and like keyboards and and brass instruments. No, no, no. Discos are strings, which is why "Call yeah. Me Baby" by Carly Rae Jepsen is one of the best disco songs made in the last five six years. <laughs> like that song is all disco. That song is all string, and it sound it's great because it's like it, like it, that is a disco song, and that is a one thousand percent disco song. Uh, somebody actually re-recorded it. Re-listen to that with that in mind because I've yeah. never thought about it that and, way. Like, that's something that's been great recently is like the the re- like the rise of disco again. Like that the man yes, like, we the talked man about by the that killers. last time. A yeah, the man by the killers. That's a disco disco-y. song. Sit next to me yes. by Foster so, That's so a disco is song. Sit next to me. Yes. yes. Yeah. Like those are disco songs, page. and it's uh-huh. great. Like yeah. they're they're great songs. Like disco. I read a really interesting article about. So have you ever heard about the like disco night at the Chicago White? I think it was White Sox. White Sox are the Cubs. Where? Go ahead and uh, play the second yeah, one now. They had the they had the death they had the they had the death to disco feeling. night where people showed up with like it was like 1982 or something like that. People showed up with disco records and they ended up like bulldozing them and like a riot broke out. <laughs> um, and so and so people were like that was the death of disco. And I read a really interesting article about, like, the perspective of, like, yeah, because that was, like, in the early 80s, when AIDS kicked in, it's when homophobia got really bad. And a lot of people yeah. viewed disco as this very light, gay thing. And so this violent riot breaking out at the idea of disco is, like, the city's homophobia becoming corporeal. And... I think that's what scared us away for disco for decades yeah. is that we view disco as this quote unquote gay thing, especially men. And now we've finally gotten past that and we've got great songs for it. Like, we had to Disco's start out great. thinking it ironically, I think, in yeah, the early absolutely. 2010s. Like, because that's the thing. Yeah. The idea was, oh, disco sucks because it sucks. But, like, if you dig into those layers, like, disco sucks because people hated gay people in the 80s. Yeah, because one of the best bands of all time is ABBA. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and so now we have, like, and, and, and now it's back, and it's great. And, like, this song is like, here's the thing. If this song was released in 1978, it would be a number one hit. Yes. It just came a little... Do you have the year this song was released? Was this also 1981? It was just a little too late. It was yep. just a little too late. Because this is this is the song they released um, right after yep. um, Funky Town. Yeah, let's get a little bit of that. It was... But yeah, it's just like Funky Town is this great, unique, moving piece thing. This is like, hey, we're making a movie in 2018, and there's a scene in the 70s, and we need a song in the background to That's like let you know yeah. it's the 70s. That's this song. Yep. That's why I say it was Last Hurrah. I think yeah. this was at the precipice. They, you know, they didn't realize it probably making this. Um, but this is what it is. I think Funky yep. Town, even the name and everything, I think Funky Absolutely. Town was the perfect, like, yes. Yeah. It's like, yeah. Better like, than it, remembering riots and bulldozing down Exactly. Disco like, it, it comes back to, like, it harkens back to all those disco, like, you hear Funky Town and you're like, man, I want to listen to Car Wash next. Like, it's, <laughs> yes. it really does, though. Like, it's, it's so good. And I'm glad that that's what that band is remembered for and not yeah. just some kind of boring like generic disco song yeah 
Um, so from there, we go from disco into hip hop. Like, oh perfect man. Perfect transition. Um, oh, so good. Nice. This is a classic. Just give it a second. You're about to be possessed by the sounds of MC Rawface and DJ Easy in Paradise. So good. <laughs> Using those funky, like that funky disco samples. Yes. Um, and you know what? This is the part that the song should remember for, period. Because this is used even in Ant Man yep. and the Wasp. Yep. Just this you. part. Oh, wait. Yes, but. Also, Rob Bacious has really good flow. Like, um, by the third time I heard this and get on the dance floor, and I even listened to Joy and Pain, which is their third mm-hmm. one that kind of was mm-hmm. their highest charting rap single. Yeah. Um, he's basically challenging LL Cool J. Yeah. Also, I think flow wise, like, stuff. W- we'll get to there. I think the reason the second song didn't succeed is because I think his flow in that song is dog shit. That too, but I his also think song is so bad. You can't, you couldn't follow up a sample yeah, like this. Absolutely. So that's the this thing. sample is like the sample yes, to define it's sampling. It's exactly, absolutely. It's like, and, and that's the thing. Like you look at this fucking and, you, gold. and you look at the rest of the eighties. So like, because when did yeah. when did it's take two? It takes two came out. When did the when was Eight, that released? Nineteen eighty eight, which was being really? like, yeah, later than you think. But it, that's wow. also like you would think. Probably the year that would define the 80s the most, maybe. Yeah. Like across the board with film and stuff as well. I was thinking, like, oh, uh, I was thinking, like, oh, yeah, like this is the one, this was 86. You said 88. 88. God, because I was thinking, like, oh, yeah, you can see this and, like, where the Beastie Boys came from and all those bands who had great samples, but like this is two years after License to Ill, they were already recording Paul's Boutique but while this song came out, and Paul's Boutique is the album that took samples to like the next can, level. For yes. Sure. Yeah, that's wild. Um, I see that's the thing, like in in my mind, this song is like nineteen eighty two. And this is the yeah. first time anyone heard good rap. Because like Rapper's Delight's fine, but it's very just like, like it's very rudimentary. And this guy comes out with this great flow, and yeah. this being the like that late, that's crazy to me. Well, well, in 1986 is the debut of Eric B and Rakim, and mm-hmm. they were the rap uh, mm-hmm. DJ duo that took everything yep. by storm. And you can kind of blend this style together for a lot. Because honestly, even though Mama Said Knock You Out is in the 90s, like 91, I think. Um, I don't, I think if you played this and Mama Said Knock You Out next to someone who like just had no clue, like a 12-year-old or 13-year-old, they'd think it's the same person. Oh, absolutely. And I think, absolutely. And I think that, that that's the big takeaway here as far as looking at just the rap aspect is um, Rob Bass probably just got lost hard in the shuffle yep. because they couldn't find another perfect it, piece like that sample. Because yep. it was, it was the it perfect takes storm. Two is just fucking monumental on its own without the rap. But yep. his, his style is definitely still pioneering. And yeah, it's, it's, it's taking that sample that is good in its own, putting it with this incredible beat, and then good flow on top of it. It is this and just guy with full of storm. ambition at the time. Yeah. yeah. It's this perfect storm, and then to follow it up. 
which is the very this is the very second single after oh, as well. This is so 80s. It's like they had one idea and then they were like, no. This is so 80s. Oh my god. Yeah. This was Will Smith's favorite Man, song. It's so bad. That, that synth part, it just feels like something's missing immediately. I see, I don't mind the beat. Like, the beat's okay. But his his flow is just so... He lost rhymes. He did. He, like, ran out of something to say. Well, no, I feel like, yeah. Like, it feels like he's making it up as he goes along. And it yeah. feels like they recorded this song, like, first. And then six months later recorded It Takes Two. Probably. Like, he got so much better in between the two, but they didn't think to throw this one out. What's the name of this song again? Get on the dance floor. And uh, where did it chart? Like, how was it? How was it success? It it didn't chart at all in the Hot 100, but yeah. it actually beat It Takes Two on the U.S. Dance. Um, it Takes Two was number three. This mm -hmm. was number one. Oh wow, that's interesting. But it was yeah. But yeah, and it's, it, following uh, the, it's number following six the on the rap chart. Yeah, uh, it has just has that momentum, and uh. Talking about like samples and stuff like that has just made me realize one of my favorite samples from 1986, and this is kind of relevant recently because Eminem just dropped a new album out of nowhere with apparently a song for the Punisher in it. Like there's a song he wrote for the Punisher oh. movie, and a Punisher. I'm sorry, uh, Venom. Oh, oh, oh it has okay. a Venom song on it, and the I got really mad because I love my Beastie Boys, and oh, the no. album art is just. Like licensed to ill. Oh like no, yeah, yeah. I thought plane. you were talking about sample, but yeah, I was like, I remember when I woke yeah, up to someone I showing me that, and I was, and I was like, like isn't that the license to ill cover? Um, and then talking about like talking about you know the song when the levee breaks by Led Zeppelin. Sampled that. Oh, oh this is the boy. first song on the license to ill. It's the first song you listen to on that album. License to ill or Kamikaze? License to ill. Oh, this is their first Beastie Boys song. I don't think I ever realized that. Wow. Yeah, like, I remember I listened to this song okay. way before I listened to Zeppelin. And so I listened yeah. to when the Levy like, like, breaks, and I'm just like, oh my god, that's that's rhyming and stealing by the Beastie Boys. <laughs> Sorry, this is a total tangent, but I love that song. Like, Beastie Boys are like one of the first bands that I loved. Family Gods, for sure. Like, they, um, like they were the, one of the first bands. Like, you're like in high school, you're starting to figure out your music taste. Yeah. And my friend let me borrow License to Ill. And, like, before then, it was just like, I'll listen to what's on the radio and Weird Al. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I listened to License to Ill, and I was just like, oh, my. he had to steal it back from me because I didn't want to give it to him. Nice. Like, we were in the band together, and we were, like, on a band trip to, like, a school in, like, Grenada or something like that, like, an hour away. And he went to my, like, CD holder because I had a CD player because this is 2004. And, like, a CD holder and, like, you know the little zip-up cases you'd get that you put CDs in? Uh, to carry yeah. with you and he went in there and took his cd back because i wouldn't give it back to him because i love nice. that cd so much that's a total tangent but like talking about samples like if you really want samples like the, a couple on two boys on couple on license tale but like look up the production of paul's boutique they had oh. like they had so many different multi-track recorders going on they literally like, because, you know, when you record on a tape, like, the tape gets thinner every time it goes through. Yes. They destroyed tape because it was going over so many times over and over and over and over and over again to get all the samples. They had, like, a record studio 
with recorders just like all that down the wall of the different samples and just tape running through all of it. Um, this can be a totally different podcast, but uh, Paul's Boutique is in my top five greatest rap albums of all time. It's one of the best albums ever made. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, all right. Yeah. Going uh, from that. So we're going from that to. I don't even know. We're just. Uh, cutting just crew. play it. <laughs> Had no idea who this band was. I was like, who's Cutting Crew? And they're like, oh, this is Cutting Crew. Yeah. Um, this came out in 86. It went number one, platinum. <laughs> if you can listen to this song without, like, putting out the, like, power ballad fist in front of you, I don't want to yeah. know you. Here's the thing. What really blows my mind, because this is the only song I'd ever heard by them, and how this sounds, mm-hmm. I thought they were, like, a hair metal band, like Europe. I was really expecting you to go, I thought they were Whitesnake. Yeah, that too. Europe yeah. or Whitesnake, pick, take your pick. Like it does but sound as we'll like, find out on the second song, yes. that's not what they it's, are. It really does sound like this is their Every Road Has a Storm. Like this is their power ballad. Yeah. Because they, they do sound like, when you put it like that, I hadn't thought about it that way, but they do sound like a hair metal band. Yeah. That's they, just doing their they customary sound like that group. song. And it makes me wonder if they just rode that popularity and didn't realize people were going to be pissed on the next song they released. That's a good question. Because the song that comes out right after this is the one uh, we're going to listen to. It yeah. charted number nine in really? the U.S. Oh, wow. So this is the highest one. So this is uh, Cutting Crew, which is Died in Your Arms Tonight. What year was it um, 86, which okay, is the, the prompt do the hair metal era. Yes. 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 Actually, I'm curious now. Sorry. Damn it. I'm going to no, catch good. myself no, so many times ahead. singing that go shit. Go ahead. Go, go for it. And this reminds me of a song that has come out recently, too. Not recently, like the mid-2000s. I'll have to find yeah. it one day. So, now um, I'm curious. It also makes me think of, like, Scorpions and yeah. stuff. Uh, 1986. Yeah. Because this has come up a few times. Mm-hmm. Top 10 songs of 1986. Do it. From number 10, Addicted to Love by Robert Palmer. Uh-huh. Number 9, Kyrie by Mr. Mister. I don't know that song. Uh-huh. Number 8, Burning Heart by Survivor. I don't know that song. Okay. Survivor's got one song. Yeah. <laughs> Number seven. Just to give you an idea on how much BS charts are and how you shouldn't go by them. Number seven. Top song of 1986. Party All the Time by Eddie Murphy. Yeah, no, no, no. We could... This, the the Don't Forget About Bruno, and the Don Johnson song are also technically one-hit wonders. Listen, so. <laughs> Heartbeat is a classic. Don't you, don't. don't you trash Don Johnson like that. <laughs> it's He's part of the group. He may but, be the best part of the group, but he's uh, part of the is, group. Is, is, is Bruce Willis's hit Secret Agent Man? No. Because that no. song was a single on that album. Um, on the return of Bruno. I have to look. But um, go ahead and play. Um, uh, but yeah. So so um, been in love other... before. Yeah. Also, here's the thing. A lot of these songs in the top ten of 1986 could only forgettable. Broken Wings on Mister Mister. You don't know that song. On my no, own. No. Patty Labelle and Michael Model. Michael McDonald. I miss you by Climax. Spelled K L Y M A X X. No one's heard of that band. How are none of these one hit wonders when I was looking? Like that because doesn't make they sense. Because <laughs> they didn't. Because nobody. Because again, one hit wonders aren't based on charts they're based on like your memory and nobody remembers them but number one is that's what friends are for by Dion warwick gladys knight elton johns and stevie wonder which is a classic yeah uh so yeah, yeah. we're going to the cutting crew's second song
So yeah, this hit number nine in America, and I can only imagine people were like, this is not what we thought. <laughs> Ah, oh, yes, that fucking music. What is this prom night bullshit? <laughs> it sounds like that's a Friends of War. Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah, I mean, this is it. It's, yeah, like this is... George crazy. Michael could do this in his sleep ten times over. Yeah, like that's the thing. And yeah, like, so this was 1989, you said? 86. Oh, 86. Okay, so they're both on the same year. They're both on the same album? Same album, yeah. Back-to-back release singles. Like, this okay. is the second single after Just Die in Your Arm. Beca- and, and you can, like, see the decline because literally yep. everything... Let me just show you the UK fall because UK fall is even more interesting. Um, Die in Your Arms was number four. This was 24. Then the song after this was 52. And the song after that was 83. And that was all on the same album. Jesus. People just kept realizing, wait a minute. <laughs> for yeah, for like us, it just... goes from 1938 to 77. And then that's yeah. it. And they don't ever really chart again. And so, like, talking about, like. Chorus, though. Hold on. With your car down, steam everywhere, and like this is this is down. like I talked about before. This is wallpaper music. Like this is this beige. Is what, look, wallpaper. I am still actually actually interested in what else Midnight Oil could offer. Not this, not even remotely. Like this is uh, this is the music version of a painting of horses that hangs up in a doctor's office waiting room. This music would play in a doctor's office. Yeah. It's just the most just God, I'm we're done with this. Like it's just yeah, so no. boring. But, but those and two that's the songs are completely different and are on two different sides of the pop spectrum for mm-hmm. the mid 80s. Like like seriously, I thought we were getting a power ballad, another power ballad like yeah. hair metal thing. Yeah. I thought we were getting more hair guys, something Europe esque white snake something. No. We, we get middle of the road, God. none of the interesting parts of an Elton John song. But we're going from here to Kaja Gugu, one of the best band names ever. That no one knows until you realize the song is. And this song is, to me, better than uh, I think it even charted. Um, it was number five in the U.S., number one U.K., uh, Too Shy. This is a song three. Like I could name the song and I can name the band, but I always forget that they go together. Yeah, I can get that. Because Kachar Gugu is such a memorable band name, but it's easy to forget which song goes with them. And they have an interesting history between this and their second charting yeah. song. I'll tell after we get mm-hmm. the chorus for here. But again, the long chorus. Intro. Gotta get the DJ yes. time. I know, right? For me, more than anything, the chorus is everything I love about New Wave in the 80s. Oh, yeah. But this guy's voice, he's got a good voice. And it's very from, good. Uh, this song's so good. Yeah, and they're from England. I was about to say, what part of the UK are they from? Um, Leeton Buzzard? What the fuck is that? Bedfordshire? <laughs> Leeton Buzzard, Bedfordshire. Wonderful. Bray County, Wicklow, Ireland. Their population today is 37,000. Hush, hush, I do I do. Shy, shy, hush, hush, I do I do. Shy, shy, hush, hush, I do I do. 
course is so good. Dude, like, like so uh, a, a, a fine, un, not super engaging verse just turns into music making love to your body with that chorus. Yes. Like, like you you're, can't just sit things still. are being done. You can't yes. sit still when you hear that. Like, you have to move. It's you wanna, so like, good. Just your chest starts, like, doing the wave. Like, just, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, God, it's so, so good. right after this blew up, the rest of the band was like, our lead singer's an asshole, and they kicked <laughs> him out. Um, his name... That's, that's a good sign. His last name is Hamill, and he changed it to Lamal, which is, you know, just changing the letters around. Oh, uh, yeah. Lemel, whatever you want to call it. He left, and he went to do the NeverEnding Story theme song. Oh, boy. That's, yeah, so he's technically a two-hit wonder by that regard. Because hey. Never Ending Story charted 17 Ooh, um, and made silver. Yeah. Yes, that's him. Um, so they had to get a new singer. And so for their second album, 1984, they came out with this next one, The Big Apple. Didn't chart at all in the U.S., only right. charted number eight in the U.K. God, I don't want to stop playing this song because it's so good. It's too good. We'll, we'll listen to the whole thing, yeah. But this is Big Apple. This is the song that plays to start the evening news. Like, this, like you see, like a you see, like a helicopter shot of your city as this song plays. Like, oh this hey, it's every, Memphis. There's the pyramid. This is every two season New York cop genre genre you don't remember theme song. Yeah, like this is a song that this is a fake song that you make for Anchorman. Yeah. Also, why was that? Why did they replace, did they replace their lead singer with one of the cast-off clones of Fred Snyder from the B-52s? Because that's all they could find close enough to fit the guy. Like it feels like they went to a dumpster, found like a bad clone of Fred Snyder. They're like, oh god, none of us can hit high notes. What did we do? Um, what was that? that? that I don't although, remember. Although, that bass is funky as hell, though. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. Like, typically what I think of is um, the, the cop drama. I can't remember 70s or 80s. Like, Blue Bloods or what What was it called? Blue Bloods uh, is a current show on it's CBS. It's current. I know. It's blue something. But it was NYPD specifically... Blue? Was that that old? I mean, that's in the 90s. But but anyways, it was like an old cop genre genre. Uh, genre show is yeah. what this is absolutely and that's about it yeah yeah totally forgettable like that's the thing like that's what you realize like either they're co- totally forgettable like cutting crew and like this or they're really bad like rob bass yeah but here's i think one of the most interesting yes. aspects i am the buggles i am yeah i have a lot with these guys too something i just discovered this morning about oh them. interesting see i think this um, is all just like very much this song doesn't chart without mtv yeah um this actually came out in 1979 but it didn't start charting till um the till mtv yeah till like MTV two or... three months later here we go this song's really good though it is
So as a little bit of background, this was the first ever music video shown on MTV. Yep. Like, which is why this song is remembered. Like, this is this will forever be a first round bar trivia question because everybody knows the answer, but it's like a fun fact. Um, but yeah, so the buckles really freaking interesting actually. Um, they only have two albums. Okay. Um, after they after they broke up, both guys went to Yes, and they made their 1983 album. And then Yes broke up for two years before they came back with their uh, super pop hit, um, Owner of a Lonely Heart. Not with these guys. I didn't know Owner of a Lonely Heart was Yes. 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 Really? Indeed. That um, song isn't proggy enough. No, no, they totally changed. They're a different band when that happens. God, but here's, I was about to say, there are very, there are like 20 yeah. standard deviations between Roundabout and Owner of a Lonely Heart. Yeah, so the guy that produced Owner of a Lonely Heart and that whole album is Trevor Horn of The Buggles. The other guy, Jeff Downs, he he grabs a friend of his from Yes, who also leaves when Yes breaks up, and they find fa- they founded a band called I don't know Asia. Wow. Yes. So, so that's why you have okay. No, all right. Yes and no. I didn't know the the Buggles part, but yeah. So so one of the members of Asia was Buggles first. Wow. Yeah. And so like here's the thing. Video Kid the Radio Star, even though it's from like the late 70s, it's a very 80s song. Like, honestly, if you like, yes, we'll get to another 80s song. It kind of ushers minutes. in the 80s in a brilliant a way without knowing. Song. Without here's knowing. The thing. If that song isn't played on MTV, nobody remembers it because their second song, which is The Plastic Age, I believe. Uh, what year is this? Um, It's their second single after. Okay, so it's still 1979? Yeah. Isn't Technically. this? Wait. Hold up a second. Yeah. Let me make sure I grab the right thing. Give me just vamp. Let me see. I might have pulled the wrong song. I think you did. It's all right. Yeah. Where did I see? What folder did I save this music in? Is the question. Buckles two really buckles one. Uh, hold up a second. Uh huh. I'm not gonna edit any of this out. Uh, okay. <laughs> All right, that's where it is. Let's try what? again. All right, I put it on my. I'll put it on that, and then I put it on that, and then plastic age, plastic yeah. age. Where are you, plastic age? Yeah. I think this is it. Yeah. Yep. So this okay. is the direct sequel, right and behind "Video ba- Kill the Radio it's Star." Basically, the same song. Not nearly as bright or poppy, but um, it's not uh, as yeah, catchy. The DNA is the same. The DNA it of the is, two songs but, are very know, similar. I'm, I'm I don't mean that. I don't mean like that in a bad way. I don't mean that in a bad way. I uh, think this is actually a lot darker. It, it um, I, is. I actually really like this song. Um, Do you know what this song is? This song is the first evolution. This song is the twirdle that evolves into uh, Barbie Girls char- or uh, uh, fucking Blastoise. I guess so. I think of Sticks, actually. Yes, this is very Sticks. Thank you. Okay. Was, it reminds me a lot of Sticks, I which is why that. I really like it, because one of the first bands my mom introduced me to was Sticks. I was still rock out to Renegade. Yes. Uh, 
but yeah, I think this could fit on any sticks album. Well, not any sticks album. Especially the, the random Ocarina. It has to be a Dynasty Young yeah. Sticks album. Like uh, the Paradise album or whatever. And, oh, just uh, Kilroy is here. Mr. Roboto's on. Yeah, Kilroy. DNA. So to me, like Video Killer Radio Star is very like ironic bubble cum. Yes. Wow. <laughs> fuck me. Um, for the love of God. Well, I just that, I just found please. an episode name. It's no. the title of the episode. Don't do that. I won't, but I'm not editing it. <laughs> please, please edit it. For the love of God, I can't. No, oh. it's fun. It's funny. People like it. Keep going. It's yeah, yes. It's very. It's it's like Barbie Girl, in that it's like bubblegum yeah. pop while being super satire. Yes. And then plastic plastic age is just I don't know really yeah. dark and manic. Yeah, but and... I think it's like I think it shows how the Buggles would not be the hits they were without MTV because the two songs are very similar. Absolutely. If you liked Video Killed the Radio Star, you should like the Plastic Age. But the only reason Video Killed the Radio Star hit was because it was the first video on MTV, which is why it charted years after its release. But I, I don't think that's the a bad mines, thing. Mines. Like, I'm, I'm, I, I, I'm glad it ended up getting popular because it's a really good song and the Buggles are a very good band. But yeah, with, without yeah, they, the MTV involvement, they don't get there. Yeah. Um, it was number one. Um, it was only number 16 in the UK. Uh, Plastic Age. Video Kill the Radio Star was number one in five countries. Uh, two, number two, and two others. It only hit barely number forty in the U.S. Yeah, I'm um, actually. Uh, I want to make an executive decision here, and I'm gonna switch some things around because uh, I do think going into Asia next is interesting because they have connections with Asia. But yeah. I feel like we have to go to another band that shares a lot of DNA with the Bugs and Video Kill the Radio Star. Like those those two bands are cut from very much the same cloth, I think. They are, but I um very interesting to me at least um the websites I use. Yeah. Uh, Devo. Uh, Devo. Which is Devo Devo Davo. It's Devo. Um, it is Devo, and I don't know why I said Devo. It's fine. Um, Listen, it's your brand. I'm so flustered. It's, it's <laughs> your brand. It's your brand. Embrace it. Embrace it. We have, all have to find a brand. My barn. That's My yours. Barn. It's great though. It's endearing. <laughs> no, Go it's on. Anyways. Devo, um, I think they're kind of ahead of their time a little bit. Um, Absolutely. And, and their first like four albums are praised now in hipster. They're uh, so good. They're they really are, good. they are yeah. considered like, you know, start just uh, yeah, not unappreciated gods in Absolutely. a lot of way for their first couple albums. Yeah. 
Um, and honestly, I, I knew that circle before I heard like the VH1 stuff, so I didn't know they were a one-hit wonder. I was like, whoa. Yeah. Evo didn't have a string of hits in there. One 80s. of my one of my favorite things is that uh, you know uh, the Weird Al song "Dare to Be Stupid." Yes, is that's basically just meant to be Devo. A love song and for Devo, yeah. Mark Mothers Mark Mothersbaugh, the head main main guy from Devo. Yeah, yeah. Got really mad when he heard the song. Not mad at Weird Al, but he's just like. We've been perfecting this for years, and he just does it. Yep. He just does it. Like, he built it in a cave with scraps. Yes, like, yes. He just makes it. Uh, like, One guy? Like, There's like six of us. Yeah, like 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 a, a, a jovial man. But he's just like, yeah. he got our style immediately. Because, be because Weird Al is the music god we yeah. all deserve. That yeah, like, we all Devo, deserve, like, but none of us song, this is one of those songs where it's like, this could never happen again. Because this yeah. is a very 80s thing. How did this song get so popular? I don't and know. And then, you know, also the urban legend that this is about BDSM before people knew what that was. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's such a good song, but it's so ahead of its time. I do not, like, how is this, like, a huge hit that everybody knows? It's so weird. Um, yeah. And, and then, but. But that was also 1980. You yeah. want to bring up uh, when. You, um, you do then, have your kind of. Listen, what? you know you're not going to have another hit when your second biggest hit's a cover. Like, like, you know you're going to be a one-hit wonder if the song that gets you big is a cover or if your second biggest song is a cover. Even more specifically, this didn't get um, traction on its own. Um, this is from the heavy metal soundtrack. Oh, my God. Yeah. That is, to me, even more than it being a cover, it uh, got traction because of that. Yeah. That that doesn't shock me. Yeah. Uh, so it, um, Whip It was fourteen, and mm -hmm. Working in Coal Mine barely got to forty three. Yeah. Um, and it's the only it's the only song that tracked in the most countries besides Whip It as well. Um, New Zealand, UK, Canada, Australia, you know those places, of course, because um, those four countries will buy and listen to everything. Um, yep. That's pretty much the most thing, and then yeah. they kind of have some bubbling 100 stuff for a while, but they are worshipped now for yeah. oh man, they're super they were ahead of their time. People just don't get it. I, I imagine yeah. Devo playing with it and everybody loving it, and then playing like another song. And the audience getting quiet and them having a Back to the Future moment of, oh, I guess you guys aren't ready for that yet. <laughs> yeah. uh, but, I believe it. but, Devo gave us Mark Mothersbaugh. Do you know much about Mark Mothersbaugh? Um, crazy and lovable is, is he, the gist. Like, no, 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 his work. Mark Mothersbaugh went on to write all the music you love from TV and movies. The Rugrats theme, Mark Brothers Ball. Pee Wee's Playhouse, oh, Mark wow. Brothers Ball. Okay. Um, I'm glad you have show. this because I didn't even think about to. Re yeah. Regular show, Mark Mothers Ball. Last month. Okay, that makes so much fun. Mark Mothers Ball. Uh, Disenchantment, the new show on Netflix. Mark Mothers Ball. Um, Damn. 
uh, fucking uh, Happy Gilmore, Mark Brothers Ball, every Wes Anderson movie, Mark Brothers Ball. Oh Jesus Christ, that's amazing! Yeah, not only like Halloween Town, Mark Mother's Ball, um, fucking uh, let me see, Lords of Dogtown, fucking Mark Mother's Ball, The Ringer, Mark Mother's Ball, fucking Mama's Boy, Mark Mother's Ball, Nicodorus Infinite Playlist, Mark Mother's Ball, Claudia Chance of Meatballs, Mark Mother's Ball, Hotel Transylvania, Mark Mother's Ball, The Lego Movie, Mark Mother's Ball, Twenty Two and Twenty One Jump Street, Mark Mother's Ball, but and then to just bring it all together, Thor Ragnarok, Mark Mother's Ball, that. Okay, I didn't even. Wow, like, he Crash Bandicoot. I'm the music from Crash Bandicoot that went over my head. The music from Crash Bandicoot and Jack and Daxter. Mark Mothersbaugh. Oh Jesus, Jack and Daxter! I can't believe that he went like, over my head like this. He, That's amazing. Like he is a prolific composer for movies, TVs, and video games. Like it's mind blowing. Like what he's done on his own as a composer. Like that is his legacy. Like Devo's great, but like or that's Devo's legacy. Like Devo's great. But it gave us Mark Mothersbaugh, who yeah. wrote the theme to everyone's life. Like, it doesn't matter how old yeah. you are at this point. You have a connection to Mark Mothersbaugh. If you're our age, Rugrats or Crash Bandicoot. If you're, yeah. like, my niece's age, uh, Cutting the Chance of Meatballs and Madagascar and Hotel Transylvania. That Lego yeah. movie, Mark Mothersbaugh. Like, That's pretty amazing, yeah. Yeah, like, he's... So, like, that is where Le- Devo's legacy is. Because um, you, you sent me Devo, and I was like, oh, yeah, Mark brought this part down a bunch. I think he did the movie f- music for Thor, and I looked it up, and it's just overwhelming. Like, he has done, and, and Taito Watiki very specifically was like, I want Mark Mothersbaugh. Because he wants that, <laughs> he wanted that 80s synth feel that Mark Mothersbaugh yeah. created. Like, that's oh, the yeah. thing. He, that synthy, he very much created that probably. Yeah, like, that yeah. synthy 80s stuff. That is Mark Mother's Ball. Like, Devo didn't have another hit, but, like, a lot of stuff doesn't happen. Something I really realized with Whippet, with Mm -hmm. Whippet specifically, Whippet starts out as a Ramon song with that beat, and then it suddenly transforms into something no one's heard of before. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, it brings you Um, in. I can't believe all this research I have, and I missed Mark Mother's Ball, who's probably the most... (laughs) prolific yes like from all the songs we have that is like the 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 most long like the biggest impact is just the career of mark mother's ball and that's the one i missed that's the story (laughs) of my life all right i was really hoping you missed it because i researched it and i was like yeah i hope he didn't look this up because then i'm gonna have it this is me (laughs) i do this the the (laughs) universe lucked out all right so from there we're going back to the original plan The Coheed and Cambria of the 80s. <laughs> I don't know, how big is the hair of the lead singer of Asia? Not, not enough. I was going to say, it's the 80s, so probably pretty big. But, uh, but, <laughs> but Asia is, is prog, not prog, in the most beautiful, overly emotional way. This is another one of those songs where it's like, if you can listen God. to the song without the power ballad fist out, I don't want to talk to you. Just fuck. So I asked you years ago, just randomly one day, because I was listening to the song, because I've listened to this song at least once a month for the last like, three <laughs> years. 
because um, this is my song from the 80s. It's what song defines um, the 80s. Culminates it just like is yeah. the 80s. Defines the 80s more than and anything else. We'll get to you my said song big country in, in a big country. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I said he the moment by Asia. And my reason is way more sillier. Like there's yeah. this part, you know, the brum 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 and and all that kind of stuff. But also it mentions dragons, it mentions disco, it mention it mentions um regretting not releasing all your feelings and stuff. It's yeah. all the stuff that like, was just flooded the eighties. Like like everything that I assume the producers look for when they're trying to find hits for um Stranger Things soundtrack <laughs> is what Asia is. Absolutely. Fucking love this song. But yeah, like and they tell, have that, the most that, successful Yeah. Like now that you've told me this is it, also it, people from yeah. Yes makes total sense. It makes total sense. It, I can, it's one guy from Yes. But it's still it's like can, a bunch of randos like, that couldn't can, make it anymore because everyone else broke up. You can feel like the DNA or like the skeleton of Froggy yes. yes in this song. Yeah. So, so it's the drummer from the Buggles and his bestest buddy um, from Yes, and he was like, "Let's get, let's do this shit." And then they met um, the bassist from King Crimson, and he's their vocalist. And then they got the drummer from Emerson Lake and Palmer. Um, so Which is, yeah, it's just that like, is such an '80s thing. Like, all don't the we see that anymore? Just yeah, like, just like a Frankenstein yes. of cast off from other bands. Yes. Yes. So, um, dude's, uh, well, yeah, dude from the Buggles became the keyboardist wow, I forgot and how short Carl that Palmer song is. of Emerson. Yeah, Carl Palmer from Emerson, Lake, and Palmer is the drummer. Yeah. But yeah, like Crimson, yes, and fucking um, yeah. Emerson, Lake, and Palmer just doing like yeah. a poppy, you know, prog song. are the 80s yeah. you know, pseudo Absolutely. prog. It's so fucking great. But yeah, and like, they're if, the if you... most successful. Yeah. Of um, both album sales because they're the only one with an album that has does anything. The debut album is four platinum, um, and then their two singles after this, "Don't Cry," um, came off their second album. It hit number ten, but and you could probably catch it somewhere, but it's nowhere near the same. Um, and then "Only Time Will Tell" hit seventeen, and that's their three. So you know, triple. They're a hat trick wonder if you want to do that much. Yeah. But, um, but in your gut, they're a one hit yeah. wonder. Fucking he the moment, nothing touches it. Yeah. Don't cry almost comes close, but not the same. <laughs> like, this starts as like a stadium rock song, and it just yeah. goes into like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's clear. <laughs> but yeah, like I didn't think of the Coheed thing until we just started listening again. Like, oh wait, that's what Coheed does. I could see that, yeah. Because the dude even says that he's was always jealous that he didn't grow up in this time period. So yeah. Yo, yeah. But yeah, like Asia Asia's one of those bands that's like I associate them so much with the eighties. But off the top of my head, I couldn't tell you that he had their moments, the big single. It's just like, I know they're like a big 80s band, which yeah. means they were probably a one-hit wonder. <laughs> right. Like, this is this is catchy, but yeah, they, they never, you know, kept track, but they still did a bunch of stuff. They broke up in like 85 for a couple years, and they got back together with a different singer, and then they got back together with the original guy and stuff like that. I'm sure they're, they're still, still touring. touring. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I would say, yeah. 
uh, they were their last album was in 2014. They released, of course, like, it was. Yeah, they released like 20 albums. Um, their first like eight albums all started with A. Of course, it did. Just Asia, like, Alpha, Austria, Aqua, Area, like, Arena. They, they released an album in 2014, and dads everywhere lost their minds. Yes, um, I have a friend who basically is a 50 year old man in a 24 year old's body, and he went and saw them live last year. God, we just had came through Memphis. It was like. It was Journey and Def Leppard and somebody else. And like it feels like Asia should also be on that tour. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, Asia, quintessential 80s band. And from there, we go to a quintessential 80s song. Yes. Again, if you can listen to this song without clapping, <laughs> I don't want to talk to you. Um, Dolph Cell is Dolph way Cell. very interesting. I don't, I I know you, like you said, if your biggest hit is a cover, you're probably not going to last. But I don't understand why they didn't, in my opinion. Well. Because they seemed like such the quintessential idea. Maybe they were a little, I don't know, they they remind me of Billy Idol as well. This came but, out in 81. Don't, don't get me wrong. When I say if your so, first song is a cover, it has to be a cover and established song. This was you, not. If you pull a hundred people, yeah, ninety nine will not know this song is a cover. Oh yeah, it's like the number one list of songs you didn't know were a cover. Number one uh, on that song should be "Torn" by What's Her Face, Natalie Ambruglia. I, I'm not registering it. I might. I need to look it up. Yeah, uh, um, you, you'd know it if you heard it. Probably. Um, so this was number one in five countries, number eight in U.S. Um, it it just is what it is. It's so good, but um, the guy the it's only two dudes and Mark Almond, the singer, worked his ass off. He has eighteen solo records, fifty singles, and like thirty of them charted in the UK at random numbers all over the place. He had a number one hit single though um, called something something's got a hold of my heart with um, Gene Petney, who's a big guy in the sixties. And um, but he's always worked. He's always had stuff. He's made so much, um, even more past Soft Cell. But Soft Cell, you know, they had a decent setup too. Uh, um, they were big in UK as well. Um, the song after this is um, yeah. They they strike me as on those bands. It's just like oh yeah, they were huge in the UK. <laughs> I actually love that though. You know if you got you know you got problems if your second biggest hit starts with the farty trumpet and I can say that because I played the trumpet. I know I hate that. Okay, so I'll say this because in the line there's a line in this song that talks about the sound of the uh, saxophone like haunts his heart. It's like why isn't this a saxophone? Yeah, it's that's very much not a saxophone. You are a fool for me to be cruel. I'm leaning on this Yeah, like this it feels like the second song I would expect from this band. Like Well um you, you ask me what I think the, the, the next soft sell song is, it's something like this. Yeah, um, but I they just had think, I just think people weren't interested in yeah. this again. 
I guess so. They had a string of five hits in the UK that all topped the um, the top five. This one was number two in '82 after two other songs that still did really good. Um, but this does make me interested in you know how much of it is just this, which I'm sure is most of it. But but to me, this is also like. This is what you think of when you think of like gothic 80s music. Oh yeah, you think um, of a farty trumpet. That's the one thing that probably really held it back. Like oh. why isn't why isn't that a saxophone? Cuz trumpet's better than saxophone, Jesse. No, no. Sorry, it's baggage left over from high school. I thought the saxophone was really cool. And I'm saying with a trumpet, just like everything you think is a saxophone is a trumpet anyway. <laughs> But um, I don't. After about my third listen, I didn't mind the trumpet, the party it's, trumpet. It's so Don't get me wrong. It's um, fine. Like I don't think it's a bad song, but like I don't think. Like people want people wanted tainted love. Yes. I don't think people wanted more tainted love. You know. <laughs> like I yeah. think that's what people wanted, and I, even, I think like, even though this is this more specifically towards thin tainted love was what um captivated the early two thousands. Um, oh yeah for when the garage rock revival came all besides like the main ones like strokes and those guys they were different but yeah. all the ones that came after uh sounded like that yeah um, uh, but yeah like you know you said you talking about it was a cover like um i i went and pulled torn by natalie ambrobia because it's gonna bother me give me a second oh my god it's a really good song this is a very derailing day for you This is also one hit wonder, so counts. He was warm, <laughs> he came around, like he was dignified. He showed me what it was to cry. Well, you couldn't be that man I adore. Yeah, I better he recognize this chorus because so far, I'm just like, I'm sure if you don't, I, boy, you, you might be like two years too young. I am one of those weirdos. Like late nineties, yeah. Like this is like, like again, this is from when I was like, the Melanis Morissette shit. Like yeah, like, like we are transported to Lilith Fair. Uh, <laughs> yeah, this is nineteen ninety seven, and I just very much remember. I got a, I got a pocket like, full of sunshine. Yeah, like I, no, this is that's way later than this. Um, it is, it is. But yeah, like uh, like I remember being like eight, nine years old and listen to this song on FM 100 in Memphis. Like, I, this song, and I, there was, I, it sticks with me because I, there was a, it was huge in the 90s. I remember a tweet that said, there are two parts in your life before you learn that Torn by Natalie Ambrulia is a cover and after you learn by to- that Torn by Natalie Ambrulia is a cover. Uh, I'll, I'll like, have to listen to the original because I'm curious. Total, total tangent, but it's a very good song. Uh, All right, so, so we're getting into the the final six. Yes, I got a lot. To, not a lot to say, but shout out to Flowrider. Oh no, no, no! Shout out to Flowrider. Fuck Flowrider. My mortal enemy. He doesn't even know who I am. Huh? 
Including the UK, said a lot. God, that 80s um, drum machine, man. <laughs> yes. Clang a bang a bang. It's so good. Here we go. Put your fucking arms in God, that song is so good. So, so this is the third time I'm going to bring him up, and I apologize. But this no. actually, even more so, comes from... I've heard most of these songs from my sister first in the early 2000s when I started getting into music, and she gave me just so many burned CDs of stuff she listened to. Yeah. And this is this is before... Like, we still had dial-up at best, so our internet wasn't great. Um, Same. She wrote this down as uh, Spin Me Right Round by Billy Idol. <laughs> I can um, kind of see it. Like, if you squint, right? like it's, if it's you there. Squint, somehow it'll sound like Billy Idol. <laughs> if you cover your ears yeah, and, and you hear, you get that hollowed out sound, if, you're like, if yeah, you hold, that's it. If you hold your mouth right, you can kind of see Billy Idol in there. <laughs> but yeah, no, um, that song is so good. Because Billy Idol was the 80s in the strangest way sometimes. It really? Um, right. Like, yeah. But, um, yeah, so, so I've been addicted to this song since at least 2002. Um, and... In the 90s and 2000s, uh, One Hit Wonders, I'm bring up my sister a lot because she's the reason why I heard most of these songs. See, um, see, you have that with your sister. My sister had burned CDs of really bad Memphis rap. So we were like driving around listening to Slob on My Knob. Weird. That's not good. Not a great Like thing. Corn on the Cob. Check Stop in it. with me and do Don't your do job. <laughs> All right. So the next one. I want to one... be a baller, shot caller. Yeah. So the second so... biggest song by this uh, by this artist, it's just it's so good. It's a classic. What the fuck did it's you just so, do? It's so like no, this is like this. It's, you can't really touch it. Come on. It's like right. Like I can't believe they had like you come out with that and then you have the theme song to the Ultimate Thrill Ride WrestleMania. Make yourself at my home. Tell me where you. Stop hitting your mic. <laughs> Turn it off. Let me get to the chorus. Just, uh, just text me when you're done. Okay. Um, so, yes. did I not tell you that, like, two weeks ago when I was playing D&D with my friends, I got really buzzed on some really good crack and rum and we were on Florida street and I just broke into an hour long tangent of how I hate Flo Rida. Cause he's just Florida with his name split in the middle and he just steals and rips off songs I, from the eighties. Like for an hour, that's all I did. And everyone thought it was the funniest, best thing ever. Minute, was just a I drunken thought, tangent. For a about minute, I Flo thought you Rida. said, I thought you said you got turned up on crack and rum. And I was like, Jesse, do we need to talk? Yes. Crack and um, rum too. But um, yeah, no, uh, actually, the, the fuck video... Fuck Flow Rider. Flow Rider, so, fight me. Fight so, me. So, again, I just, like, I'm really good at pulling audio from YouTube, because I just did that. And yeah. the file is just named Florida My House. 
Uh, I didn't name it that. That was the name of the YouTube video. But the second biggest Florida split in half. That's how creative he is. More claim is... Now this really is more the same. Like, yeah, when I listen, this is like this is just the beat from you, like right yeah. now. Like this is just that. How... However, the chorus is very different, and to me, this is just like an 80s clang and bang um, queen. Like, talk, we were talking about how some of these are more of the same. This is more of the same. Um, this didn't chart as well everywhere else, but this was number 15 in the U.S. Tell me that's just not an 80s, an 80s vibe clean song, that chorus. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, like, I, I, like, oh, I, was, I, pull, I was pulling this audio from the soundboard, and I clicked on this song, and I had to double check and make sure I didn't accidentally just click on You Spin Me right. Again. Because like, they literally, they, they pulled out the drum machine, and they were like, oh, shit, we forgot to make another beat, and they were like, it's fine. <laughs> Yeah, like, I totally understand why this song didn't hit. Cause boy, it's just. But but this is my this is my kind of repetitive though. Look, like I love this kind of yeah, it's the same thing. Let's keep going. Like, actually, like, I understand. I understand and don't understand why this song didn't hit. Because this song didn't hit, which is fine. But like it's more the same, and a lot of bands in the '80s were just doing more of the same. It's 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 that uh, their first hit was very unique and very '80s, but people didn't want more of that. Like it, it's kind of like Devo and in, in them, where it's just like, no, we're fine. And like the bunk with the buggles, it's like, no, we're fine with it the first time. We don't need more of this. That's all yeah. we need. Uh, yeah, like mm-hmm. it's it's super interesting. Um, and um, that's very similar with. Um... Honestly, everybody else that we're going to listen to for, for the most part. Especially. Um, oh, my man. I love this song way too much. It's like, a really good song. Oof. Hey! Clean a party. Hey! It's a rubber band. Now in the street there is violence. And then a lot Shout out to Eddie Grant for um, the black and white cover of his greatest hits. He's just an intimidatingly sexy looking man on the <laughs> cover. Um, and that's like the only thing that is on iTunes for whatever reason is that one album. Yeah. And it's only like half the songs. But he just looks impressively pretty. Yeah. It's, like, was, it's interesting. He's chiseled. these to me, I was going on Spotify just to double right. check and see what the most popular songs were. And this song is not on Spotify. I was just like, who, the who only is Grant? And why are you getting me to pull a song? So I Googled it and like, yeah. oh, it's Electric Avenue. Yeah. Um, the only... Uh, reason Electric Avenue is on iTunes is from the fucking Pineapple Express soundtrack. Ah! That's the only way I can get it. Um, so yeah, good job Pineapple Express. Thank you. Uh, I don't know what his deal is. Why half his stuff? It's fine. rights um, holders and this and that and yeah, the other. Yeah. But um, you know where I first heard this song? Where's that? Fucking Os- um, Osmosis Jones. It's in the opening <laughs> car chase when he's trying to shoot down one of the germs. God, of course it is. And I just thought, this song is awesome. What is this? And I 
listened to it all the time randomly ever since. I love God. this song. It's it's a really um, good song. It, it's it's a really interesting like the '80s very brief flirtation with like reggae. Yes, and, and he created music. a whole genre by himself that I think only he really does called Ring uh, Bang. This and Pass the Duchy, which was another big one hit wonder in the '80s. Yeah. Uh, those two songs are like, and it's really interesting that like they went for like past the duchy got play, but his second song didn't. Yeah. I think. See, I think. When did this song get released? Um, this actually was before Electric Avenue. Okay. 82. Um, this was the single before Electric Avenue. Different album, though. Yeah. I think. Um, okay, see, well, no. Electric no, it's Avenue not. Also same Avenue. Same, same okay. Avenue. Yeah, here's, same here's, Avenue. Same album. Here's the thing. This song, if Past the Duchy doesn't exist, I think this song hits. Because this is way less electric and way more Caribbean. Yeah. And which um, Past the Duchy was. And that song was also 1982. Yeah. Like, I feel like if that song doesn't hit and fill, like, Electric Avenue hits and it's like this electric Caribbean thing, Past the Duchy comes out, it's more traditional Caribbean. And so, like, okay, our thirst for that has been sated. We don't need more. Yeah. And this actually, um, this song hit number one in five different countries, but it only made 53 in America. Wow. That doesn't shock me. Um, It's actually, per country, his most number one. Um, he also has two other songs that were really big that I actually listened to and really like. Romancing the Stone is has a better chorus to me. You might actually enjoy it. Um, uh, I do have one question. Was yes. that recorded for the film Romancing the Stone? Right? Um, it's 1984. I don't... Yes, it was. I was about to say, it was. It yes. Was. Romancing the Stone came out in 1984. Yep. Yes. All yes. right. It was for that. Um, and it's great, and I love that song. <laughs> actually, I, I just fell in love with it. I was like, this song's actually great. And then another song he did in 88 called Gimme Hope Joanna, which I don't, it's, it hit number one again. It's his only other number one in the UK, um, besides I Don't Want to Dance. Um, but yeah, it all basically sounds like this, but he has, uh, like 20 albums. He's been recording since 1975. That sounds about right. He just goes. He just yeah. goes and does his thing. And he's great. Because he's got an audience. I love this electric reggae thing, and I want more out of it. Well, I feel like uh, like this is not electric reggae. This is just reggae. This is true. This is true. Um, but yeah, well, like Electric Avenue is better. such an interesting song. Yeah. But yeah, like I, I understand why it didn't hit because I don't think people were looking for this specific brand of reggae after this and past the duchy. Uh, but yeah, I think it's good. Like it's, it's, you know, it's, it's reggae. Like if you like reggae, this is what you're looking for. Um, but then you go from that to. Talk about, oof. This, this is God, a different this, trip. This song is so good. Yeah. Wait for it. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my god, this is a long intro. <laughs> 105.8, the hits. It's so good. Um, so number three in the US, number six in the UK. 
and they're from Canada, and this only made number 11 in Canada. It's the Gun to my talk- head. Gun to my head, I would have said these guys from Australia. Right, but I mean, you know, Canada's just cold Australia. That's fair. <laughs> or Australia's hot Canada, whatever you decide. technically a British colony. Like, like I said, the, the four... The four places that seem to, like, connect the most with hits is, like, Canada, Australia, UK, and New Zealand. Yep. (laughs) What year was this again? 1982. Wow. I would have guessed, like, 86. The next song uh, is 1987, five years later. Got to get that chorus. Yep. We can go and we want to. Night is young and so am I. And we can dress real neat from our hearts to our feet and surprise them with a victory cry. Say we can act if we want to. If we don't, nobody will. And you can act real good and totally removed. And I can act like an imbecile. Say we can dance. We can dance. Everything's out of control. I can act like an imbecile. We're, we're fine. How are you? We can dance. We can dance. Everybody look at your hands. We can dance. We can dance. Everybody's taking the chance. So, uh, this is the weirdest one for me. Uh, as we go to Pop Goes the World, their second biggest that only, you know, really charted hard in Canada. Number 27 in U.S. So it's still technically, you know, whatever you want to do with it. Yeah, whatever that is. It's never a good song if you have to intro your song at the beginning. Also, isn't this a stolen, like, nursery rhyme beat or something? Possible, I don't know. Foo Fighters have done that like familiar. The Foo Fighters have done that like five times. I'll give them, I'll give people a pass. That's fine, yeah. But this is their second biggest song. Also, at the end, they do the um, do 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 as if like remember us. That's who oh, we are. No. Did you not catch that at the end? God. Yeah, this is. Yeah. It just sounds like a nursery rhyme. Yeah, you're. Yeah. Yeah, it's just like I don't honestly I don't think there's much to say about this. Like it's not. It's super uninteresting. Yeah, um, and that's the thing. It's like, which is a bu- like, that doesn't even sound like the same band. It really yeah, it doesn't. really doesn't. And like I don't think that's like it's a fine song. Like I feel like that song in a vacuum. Oh yeah, that's that's all right. That get a little bit of play on pop radio, but coming from the band that gave you the safety dance. Yeah, like, the safety are, dance it's, felt like it was like oh. Get it? This is the 80s now. This is how yeah. it sounds. Ha ha ha. Like very funny, self-aware. And yeah. then Pop Goes the World really doesn't sound like it's aware yeah. of anything. Yeah, it just sounds like... We know, even like stopped playing to... it already because it's just yeah, not no, that just, interesting. Yeah, there's no reason to play it. Uh, yeah, it's But just yeah, they like, do the do-do-do-do-do-do-do yeah, near the very end. And that's I was like, thing, wow, that's, guys, that's, that's not the, good. That's the, the signal that you're not doing it is when you have to call back to your hit and introduce your next song. But... You know what's also another song sign that you will be a one hit wonder? Uh when your big hit just contains the name of your band. <laughs> I like how earnest these guys are though. Yes. Um, 
you want to talk about a band where just everything sounds like they know what they're doing the same thing these guys are a lot like that to me for their second one but this one just has the right pop mostly the drums but I think they do better with the vocals country in a big country 17 US in the UK number 3 in the US rock chart 1983 I could just about play this song like the guitar track on the song from Rock Band by Memory. That's so great. That like dreamy guitar. Oh, it's so good. I'm gonna go on a wild limb here because I know that they have bigger influences than this, but this song sounds like it's in a very special place in the heart of uh, Modest Mouse. Oh yeah. Oh man, I had to put that together. But yeah, I think there's like, something like, there. Yeah, like you know, they they had bigger influences, but I think this song specifically, like, man, we love this song. Absolutely. I could, I could see Modest Mouse covering the fuck out of this song. Oh God. Oh Jesse. You're welcome. I need to listen. I dwell on that. Second. Let me just for five Modest Mouse, big country. Please Google, give me something. No. Tweeted at them. Beg, beg. That would be so good because it's like got a really unique sounding lead singer, like dreamy guitars, and oh my god. Yeah. That yeah, would man. be so good. This would, yep. Yeah. Oh my god. Turn it up for a bit. Yeah, let's get that chorus. But yeah, so you asked oh. me a few years ago what I think the song that defines the 80s was, and I, I couldn't tell you my reasoning. It was just my, just the immediate thing that came to mind. My initial gut reaction was yeah. big in a big country by big country. I don't, I still to yeah. this day can't tell you why I picked that, but it feels, feels right. right. It feels right. Yeah. Um, these, these are hardworking guys. They have like eight albums and every single song they ever released up until 1999 charted in the UK. See, I was expecting you to say every single song they've ever released had the words Big Country in the title. (laughs) But yeah, out of 29 singles up until 99, like so 25, 25 singles all charted in the UK. And to me, like if you can do that in your home country, then you're you're a made band one way or another. Um, and they're That's... Scottish, so that was definitely a hill to climb. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, that song is so And they so have a good. lot of bagpipes in their stuff. And they also yes, they make do. me think of the... Um... Yes. And this was 1986, Look Away. Um, this is their highest uh, UK hit, number seven. That's a, as high as they got. Uh, but they had a couple of more top tens, but they usually stayed around the 20 to 50 range for most of them but they kept hitting so. I love that part this time we draw 
because because that that guitar is like the very flirtatious um yes we just figured out what asian music sounds like we're gonna stuff yeah. that in our pop songs without being too overly wrought that's what yeah. it is uh i don't know if you knew this making it their own kind of i don't know if yeah. you knew this jesse yeah but asia or asia but china yeah. is a big country are, are you trying to tell me something no it's, it's just uh, <laughs> Uh, but okay. yeah, like, again, like this is a this is what I what else I would expect from this band. And it's yeah. one of those where it's like a lot of other bands, all these other songs we talked about, we can kind of see like why they didn't hit. But like, yeah, I don't know. Like, yeah, yes, this is what I would want from this band. Like, I don't understand why they didn't repeat that success. Like, in a like in well, a big country is a great song. But like, what what I'm curious about, uh, they have a song before in a big country that kind of charted. That was their first real breakout in the UK. Um, called Fields of Fire, 400 miles in parentheses because it's about 400 miles. And but I would burn yes, 400 Yes, that's exactly miles. what I think of. <laughs> that's exactly, and, and they're also Scottish, so I just wonder if, like, I don't know, if that bothered people who <laughs> figured that out. And they're like, oh, God, the same band or some nonsense like that. Um, I doubt it because the, the Proclaimers hit in 1988. It's a pretty big gap. Oh, are they f- okay? Big Country was first. That's my bad. Yeah, not realizing that. That's okay, fine. I thought they, I thought that they were like eighty or something. They're yeah, 90s no, yeah, no. I would walk under. is nineteen eighty-eight. Okay. Yeah, sure. All right. But yeah, it's silly. Um, but yeah, yeah. Like this it's, isn't this bad. Is what you would want from Big Country: big stadium rock, but like anthemic. Like, and this reminds me of like mid two thousands kind of indie rock stuff as well. Like, you know what this makes me think of? This sound. This song sounds like a more interesting Springsteen. Well, yeah, uh, more flourishes in color for sure. Yeah, because like Springsteen is very like kind of boring to me. Dry, straight um, bone. Kind yeah, of stuff. just dry, straightforward arena rock. And this is like that, but like way more flourishes and way more complicated and more interesting. Like the singer kind of sounds like him a little bit. I don't know, but yeah, like that's. That's one of those where it's like, I don't, that's like the one where like, I can't tell you why they didn't hit again. Cause like, it's a great song. It sounds like very, it sounds similar to in a big country, but it's not the exact same. It's, it's great. Uh, but now though, we're onto the heavy hitters. Yeah. Uh, God, I love this fucking song. This cascade right here is just the best. Yes. God, what a good song. What year what year is this? 
82. Um, I ran Flock of Se- by Flock of Seagulls. Um, number nine in the U.S., number one in Australia. Um, this, to me, is what, like, all of new wave music like really oh sounds yeah like um so two random <laughs> side notes because cartoon culture is what i grew up on i first heard this as a cover from bowling for soup as the just randomly picked theme song because you know you can't know cartoons are from japan of an anime called knights of the zodiac in early 2000s and huh. this was the theme song for it but it was a cover from bowling for soup Interesting. and it's not bad and then I discovered the real one. And then I want to shout out because this song, no matter what people think of this cartoon, this song deserves to be known. It was, I don't know why it's specifically made for this, but there's a song called Night Begins to Shine, and it is in the Teen Titans Go cartoon, like all over the place. There's even an episode that's basically just a, a homage to the heavy metal mo- yeah. uh, movies with uh, that song, Night Begins to Shine. And it's just by... Um, some music producers that are part of the show and it just sounds like this basically and Man. it's beautiful and lovely like I think you would dig the shit out of it I'll check that um, out yeah uh, they go by cause it's um, three cause it's three guys uh, B-E-R is the name of it and there's and it's even the inside joke um, they, uh, Cyborg he pulls out this huge thing uh, uh, like a folding um CD thing, the pamphlet inside, and he pulls out. I was like, "Yeah, man, this is the best song of the year. It was created 40% by blah blah, 40% by this guy, and 20% by the other guy, and it's just hilarious." God, um, yeah, it's such an 80s like, yeah. joke, and it's wonderful. I um, think so. Like this song came and went. Like it was, it was a decent hit. Yeah, but it kind of got forgotten. Do you know what brought? flock of seagulls back to the national consciousness a few years later because what year was this song 82 you know what brought this song back and actually i think it chartered again because of this what is it you flock of seagull you know why we're here god won't you tell me man Vincent, where you got the shit here at? from like that reference in pulp fiction actually did like that song i, I don't know if it charted again but like right. that that reference brought Flock of Seagulls back into like the national consciousness. That's pretty fucking great. Like, I genuinely shit. think Pulp Fiction doesn't have that. That song is not as well remembered. I, I, I could believe it. Um sadly the lead sing lead singer of the band hates the song and it's popular. That doesn't shock whatever. me. Like but like yeah. Yeah, that's kind of the case, especially with like one hit wonders. Like Yes. Like, you don't wanna just because you, you don't want to play just like you you have this whole oeuvre of music and like you don't just want to be known for this want, one yeah. thing. You know, you don't want to have a concert, just have people yelling out one song to you because that's all they came there to hear. However, I, the next song we're going to play, not nearly as memorable, like, structure-wise, or the, the parts that make it, but it is very of the same cloth. Wow. That, like, metallic ding, ding, yeah. is just straight up lifted for the sonic spin ball options music which is <laughs> awful we'll get to that one day because one day i want to do one about bad video game music it's this is wishing if i had a photograph of you um it charted 10 in the uk um it actually made 26 in the hot 100 but you know momentum yeah. yeah. And then another song, Space Age Love Song, which I like a little bit better. It charted about the same. 
this just feels like them recording an 80s song, you know? Yeah. Like, this is fine, but it doesn't have that bark that Iran had. Right, and again, like, you know, these guys are also from England. Because that, that's a real big thing, you know, the overseas consciousness for the 80s more than anything. What, what they could grab from the other side. Yeah. Could, that could break that barrier. It's not as dense either. It's a little too light. Yeah, it's just super straightforward. As, as I call it, and you know, not overly negative, but just 80s prom music is what I think of yep. certain stuff like this. The, the soundtrack from Legend that um, Ridley Scott didn't want to use. But yeah, like, if the, yeah, this song was playing in the dance scene from the end of the second season of Stranger Things, I, I wouldn't be shocked. Right? Yeah, um, like, yeah, it's it's just prom music. It's fine, but like it's not Iran. Iran is just so good. Okay, and now we move on to the final, the Kings. Yeah, of the one hit wonder. The but also hitter. they're the they're the pop kings of Norway. Oh, of course. Uh, yeah. Wait, wait, no. Oh God. Oh no, what's happening? Oh no. What, do do? what is that? Stop it. Did you not know that Real Big Fish covered Take On Me? I was like, which ska band is this? Um, Ninja Sex Party also covered it. Of course they did. But Everyone's covered it. Okay, so it when you go really on to... Well. Hold on. When you go on to right, iTunes... Uh-huh. No, no, play, go ahead and play it. Okay. Oh. Oh, no, when, you go, one. when you go on to iTunes, you have to go 11 down from all the remixes, remasters, <laughs> and replays of, of Take On Me to find another song by AHA. Yeah, but like, here's something like, I feel like that the din, 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 that is yeah. like ska, like that's a perfect ska. No, 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 it is, it Wait. is. I'm, I was just like, I was just sitting here trying to figure out which one because <laughs> ska, man. And again, I'm really good at this because that idea popped in my brain 90 seconds ago and I had yeah. it ready. Nice. Um, spoilers: We're totally talking about Mighty Mighty Boston's when we do the 90s one hit wonder. What was Money Money Boston's hit? Oh, God. All right. Well, we'll is it sit. the song? It's one on the... the impression that I get. I was about to say, I know yeah. it was on the Digimon the Movie soundtrack. Yes. Oh, well, let's just play that whole thing. That soundtrack gets <laughs> so much ska. It's got a bunch of one-hit wonders. Turn it up. I remember uh, in the summer 2007, I was at a summer college program at the University of Mississippi. Um, I won't go super into it here, but it's literally where I've met all my best friends. Um, nice. That's that's where I met my friend Josh, where I met my friend Andy. Like it is like, the, like the, like everybody's that like sort of pivotal turning point in their life. That was summer college for me. But um, I remember somebody had I had Guitar Hero 2 there. 
and somebody brought SingStar, you know, the game where you have like the microphone and everything. And yeah. this was on there, and I just remember somebody seeing this, hitting the high note like at the end of the bridge, like the ridiculous mm -hmm. one, and just yeah. spiking the microphone under the couch and running out of the room. Nice. Um, I used to be able to hit that, but then I got old. <laughs> then you ball dropped. <laughs> um, so, yeah, these guys have had like ten albums. Uh, they have had in Norway nine number one hits up until 2005. Wow. And, yeah. Um, in 2000, and they had 18 top tens in Norway up until 2009. Every single one of their albums have charted. Ten albums charted in Norway. They were knighted in Norway in 2012 <laughs> for being. Were. Yeah, the whole band was knighted for being. I guess you know, fucking aha. Yeah. Um, eight out eight countries. This song was number one, including the U.S. Uh, number two in U.K. and Ireland. Number three in France because France has to be different. Um, <laughs> but yeah, this this was only the beginning of their legacy, at least in Norway. Yeah, and um, also. Okay, here's the question. Yes. Is this song, and I think the answer to this question is a definitive no, but is this song the powerhouse that it is in America without that video? Probably not. Because, like... Because this is 1985. This is one of the can, older songs we have on like, here. Most stuff we've a, done has been 82 for yeah. the most part. 85, yeah. It, you can make probably. a solid argument. Like, my mom... Well, somewhere my mom is smiling that I'm talking about this song. Like, <laughs> this is like top five music videos all time. Yeah. Like, it's I agree. incredible. And like, unlike anything you've ever seen. And that doesn't discount the song because it's a great song. Right. But without that video, like that's this At song. At least in America, it, probably not. Yeah, it doesn't have the legacy without the video in America. Visu yeah, visual consumerism defined a lot, especially for one it wonders, especially for music, because MTV video killed the radio ruled star. the world, yes. Like, Video Killed um, Radio Star isn't where it is without that video, without MPV. Right, and then, so this is the next song after it, like right after, on the album as well. Uh, number 20 in America, number two in Norway, interesting enough. But this is the last we really ever see AHA chart anything in the US. And this is The Sun Always Shines on TV. And this music video is a direct continuation of the Take On Me video. Everybody watch this music video. Yeah, which makes me wonder if people, you know, were annoyed by that or what? I think it's like a, a combination of a couple things. Like, I don't think the video had the impact that they expected it to. Yeah. Like, you, you watch it again, and it's just like, oh, it's the car it's the cartoon guy again. And also, <laughs> this is just kind of a schmaltzy, like, ballad. Like, it's not... Yeah, I was shocked by how many follow-ups on these were ballads. I'm like, yeah. guys... Blame Poison. That's your third or fourth song. Yeah. Blame Poison. Like, but if, they had a ballad had to that, have a like, ballad. They had a ballad that had hard pacing to it. It, yeah, it, it did, but you know, it's just like everybody had to have a ballad. Yeah. But this like, does this help is, right here, though. It picks up. It definitely picks up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But by this point, I feel like most people have tuned out. Like, I think this song was done in by its yeah. intro. Yeah, probably. I totally agree. But again, that drum machine, man. I just, I just love that they were 
consistent up until 2009. Yeah. Like, that's impressive. That's incredible. It's ridiculous. Every single one of their albums charted in Norway. That's nonsense. That's amazing. So, yeah, like, it, I'm, I'm very curious to, like, go they're, forward. They're like, 2015th. Uh, their 2015 album hit number two in Norway. God, I, I'm I'm very curious to like look at like one hit wonders in the 90s and and the the noughties, as people were calling them. Yeah, um, I, I already know a good bit. Yeah, because um, I think uh, each decade has at least I'd say 30 absolutely. one hit wonders to look at. at so least, we'll have at least two episodes of each like, decade. You could you could get a hundred out of the 80s easily. Yeah, uh, I mean, but just one did, was, but I don't I don't want to listen. <laughs> Listen, I grew up on those. Like no, that's, that's the fine. reason why I, I have the pop, I have the pop culture like mind and knowledge that I have because of like watching VH1 marathons of like top 100 yes. hit wonders of all time. I love the 80s. I love the 70s. Like yes, I have yes, a a yes. reference for all that stuff because I watch those shows religiously. This, uh, yeah, this is probably the closest me and you have together in something like this because yeah, I did too. Like like when there was nothing else on, but this was on VH1. Yep. That's absolutely like, what it's was Saturday. There. Guess that means I'm gonna be watching. I love the '90s all day. Yep, one hit wonders, one hit wonders. Yeah, uh, but yeah, um, like, and, and so you said you had something like at the end of this that you wanted to go into. Yeah, um, just just to add that, like, only take one hit wonders with your feeling and a grain of salt. Because here's here's an interesting list. Um, and all this is stuff after the '80s because one hit wonders really wasn't even probably a phrase until the '80s. Yeah, I and mean, you had to kind of just keep up. Even though the way we consume music literally changes every single decade. Because yep. CDs were not a big thing in the 80s. I don't even think they started yet. They, I think they it was just cassettes. Like CDs, yeah. CDs hit in like 86, 87. But yeah. they were like, like CDs in 86 and 87 were like DVDs in like 97. Yeah. Like this huge luxury item. So um, uh, re- really quick, like um, only you were talking about Beastie Boys earlier and Nirvana, those three bands they have like four singles that really hit and that's about it yeah and we know them for way much more than that but yeah um, like they fostered they had singles that hit but the fan bases they fostered are huge and dedicated and the, so like like so so they they stayed in the public consciousness because they had so many people that loved them even if they weren't mainstream huge successes yeah and so 90s really became about album sales because one of the highest selling albums uh, of the 90s the debut of the counting crows no none of those songs charted mr jones none of that uh they didn't chart until hanging around which was like 2000 and it was like number 28 that's um, wild to me yeah yeah that, no no, no. this mr. is why jones this is my hit. point here yeah like, mr. Jones accidentally is known in, as they're like yes it didn't big, chart at all yeah i don't even know hanging around what it sounds like but it is oh, their hanging highest around's great hanging around's a good song i saw them in concert a nice. few years ago because they were playing at a amphitheater near here and my friend's dad like worked for the company that like sponsored the amphitheater mm-hmm. and he was like i got tickets for this if y'all want to go um and this is for a totally whole, and throughout the whole county crow set people were just yelling play mr jones <laughs> that's that's near the end guys shut up <laughs> um yeah so i want to say real quick this is for another uh, podcast episode um counting crows to me is the prototype for um the hipster musical subconscious we are exposed to today um yeah. but we can go way deeper into that later um accidentally in love was 39 and big yellow taxi was 42 that's their three hits that chart wise yeah so you know take all that grain of salt Soundgarden and allison chains never charted shit in the top 100 yep 
people I would assume would be like, are you kidding? Black Hole Sun didn't chart? No, it did not. It charted on The Rock and only The Rock charts. Um, a little later, uh, as I was talking about one of my favorite bands, Shinedown, their one-hit wonder because of Second Chance. They reached number seven. Incubus is a one-hit wonder with Drive at nine, and that's it. That's the only thing that really hit. And I can name you about seven Incubus songs. Um, here's And here's the last two big shockers for me. Oasis, Wonderwall, number that's eight. That's I couldn't it. name another Oasis song. Do Champagne Supernova? Um, yes. Okay. I can name two Oasis songs. All right. Weezer. Uh, Beverly Hills? Yep, number 10, and that is it. That song was not so even, big. It, it was, but not even like Say It Ain't So or yeah. Buddy Holly yeah. or Hash, Hash Pipe, Pipe or Island yeah. in the Sun. Nothing. Yep. This is it. Weezer, for all intents and purposes, if you're going to live and die by the concept of one-hit wonder, is a one-hit wonder. And yeah, I don't think you, a lot of gut, people would you know agree to that. Yeah, yeah, it's a gut thing. So, so that that's yeah. just my my big thing. Yeah. We, we are using the one hit wonder concept to just see what there was exactly because and and you know there's just a difference in real one hit wonders mm-hmm. and bands that sold records. Yeah, I'm and, actually uh, sorry. Go ahead, finish. And that the thought. only the only band that sold records it uh, on this list we did today was Asia with their first. Miles, miles ahead with a four platinum debut. And then AHA and only because of all the shit they sold in Norway. Yeah. Um, so I was curious. Were you talking about albums in the 90s? And I looked up the top 10 selling albums of the 90s. Yeah, that is. Um, so I guess we'll promote this here, but it'll be probably another few months before we do this. I also brought up an idea to you that I call yeah. one album to rule them all where yeah. we look at a band's entire discography mm-hmm. and we see the massive psychotic jump from one album making yep. millions record just selling the fuck out of itself and then anything before after or in the entire discography doesn't even touch it and the bis- biggest and most obvious example for me is Cracked Rear View by Hootie and the Blowfish, which is like double diamond the in America and then sixth, nothing else. Sixth highest selling album of the 90s. Yep. Yep. Uh, so there's actually some pretty interesting ones on here. Combinations of... So like number 10 is the Backstreet Boys debut. Mm. Number nine is Roping in the Wind by Garth Brooks, which doesn't really have... Like this was like more Garth Brooks's success going on. Because there aren't yeah. any songs on there that I noticed. Like, Thunder Rolls wasn't on there. Friends in Low Places wasn't on there. Number That's eight cool. is yeah. Millennium by the Backstreet Boys. Number seven is t- the Titanic soundtrack, just because of My Heart Will Go On. Right. Um, so, number six, so I already know what's going to be even higher than that. Number six um, is Crack Review. Number five is Falling Into You by Celine Dion. Yeah. Uh, number four is The Bodyguard, Whitney Houston, yes, which is that. just... I will always love you. It's just that. That just baffles the fuck out of me. Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah. And it still holds the record for highest selling soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Number three, two, and one are all albums with lots of hits. Number three, right. the black album from Metallica. Mm-hmm. Inner Sandman, Nothing Else Matters, all of that. Yep. Number two, Come On Over by Shania Twain. And number one. I know this highest, because I was looking it up. Jagged yep. Little Pill by Alanis Morissette. Yes, and that like, is also another one I want to do because yes, that nothing that album, close. yeah, that album is like I think worldwide almost twenty million sales, and then her next one is like three or four. Yep. Um. So I, I wanted to hit a little bit of 
Actually, before we get to that, I notice this a lot listening to the Danny songs. Do you know the term gated reverb? No. Okay. I'm actually, I got a, I got a clip from a, a, an article by, or from a video by Vox. And I'm going to point this out, and it's really interesting, and you're going to hear it in every song forever now. This thing keeps happening every single time I listen to one of my favorite songs of the last five years or so. I hear this weird but familiar drum sound that just cuts right through the track. I love it. Here it is one more time. That punchy, unnatural drum was the sound of the 80s, and it's back. It's called gated reverb, and like many of the greatest inventions, it was discovered by accident. <laughs> okay. Oh, just wait. In the 1970s, drums on the radio sounded a lot like this. They're quite dry, aren't they? They're just as recorded. To achieve that isolated, clean sound, producers and engineers mic'd the drums all over, including the inside. This was the sound of bands like Pink Floyd, Earth, Wind & Fire, and Genesis. At least up until 1979, that's when Peter Gabriel was recording his third solo album. His Genesis bandmate Phil Collins was on the drums playing a simple beat. And here's where something magical happened. So according to their engineer, Hugh Padgham, they had a brand new recording console with some cool features that included a mic hanging in the studio to talk to the band. That mic accidentally picked up Phil's drums and the result was this thick, punchy reverb that disappeared in an instant. The reason? Well, the mic had a heavy compressor on it, which reduces the volume of loud sounds and amplifies quiet ones. It sort of crunches a waveform. And the console had a noise gate, which only lets amplitudes above a certain threshold pass through. And then it immediately shuts off. The result was such a crazy sound that Peter Gabriel wrote his album opener, Intruder, around it. Now, if you don't know Intruder, you'll certainly recognize this, made by Phil Collins and Hugh Padgham a year later. That's all I was thinking the whole time. Yeah. As and so, soon like, as you started. Listening to these songs, just like, like, yeah, something like, uh, like, yeah, like, that is the set like that went away in the 90s like people yeah. got tired of it and it went away and it is like now if you listen to like alt rock like a lot of the songs that i played on our previous music episode all use that gated reverb yeah in um, their drums and i love it it sounds so good honestly i have always and this has always just been my thing and i've been obsessed you know with shine down since high school i think that is one of the big reasons why second chance was such a big deal because that yeah that drum yeah. solo near the end is the closest to phil collins in the end night i've ever that. heard that's a yeah, good point that's yeah. all i was thinking of too i was like man so we're talking about phil collins drums and then yep. that is probably subconsciously in our culture yep. why that one shinedown song is above all the others is yeah like go on youtube that's a full like eight minute video uh just yep. search vox gated reverb it's fascinating about how like 
Because originally, like, to get that good, good gated reverb, they like there was a console that people used on drum machines, and like they played "Don't Take the Money" from Bleachers right at the very beginning. And the guy from Bleachers, uh, Jack Antonoff, I believe is his name, is like a prolific producer. Mm-hmm. Um, he produced uh, Lord's latest album and 1989 by Taylor Swift and all that, and he has oh, kind of wow. single handedly brought that sound back. Yeah, because uh, I love megalomania or melodrama. Yeah, melodrama. yeah, oh my God. yeah, and 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 all that, and so yeah, that sound is so good. And like I, I watched that video like a year ago, and I've been noticing it ever since. And listening to all these '80s songs to pull this up, it's just like you just hear that drum in there. I mean, uh, in a, in a way, you could argue that that is what new wave is. Is that oh, absolutely overall sound? Yeah, with the drums, but also they kind of do that with the guitar and yeah, that the, like the keys. That like punchy, Ooh. unnatural, like it cuts off really quick. And then and then with everything else playing though, it has this weird, haunting echo that yeah. b- just creates this massive atmosphere that was eighties yep. new wave. Uh, I, I do want to hit a few uh, honorable mentions. Yeah. Um. And since we've been talking about covers so much and one-hit wonders, what a lot of people consider to be the one-hit wonder of the 80s, we didn't really touch. So I'm going to play this uh, as sort of an introduction and then go on a little bit of uh, just hitting some one-hit wonders here. It is Come On Eileen by St. Ferris, uh, one was, of my favorite covers of all time. I was honestly um, saving that for uh, the next episode. It's it's fine. We'll, <laughs> we can. What was the ne- anyway? Um, like so, like next time we do this, which would still be like you know months away. Yeah, yeah. Because we're doing '90s, then 2000s, yeah. then back to '80s. Uh, I just feel like this cover doesn't get the like this cover's fairly well known. It should be way more one of those. You just so love good. ska. There's a lot of ska on this episode. I did not anticipate this. Uh, so yeah, Come On Eileen's huge. Um, um, it makes me think of, um, which I would probably add, um, Walking on Sunshine. Yeah. Um, that was a big one hit wonder. Um, uh, 8675309. Yes, that's also one. Basically, whatever big... In um, one hit wonders, we didn't cover this episode. I was already planning for next episode. I okay. kind of have, I kind of have like the next four episodes of this concept already laid okay. out. Okay, all right. So yeah. we'll get to that then. I, I oh, wasn't yeah. sure how deep you wanted to go in. Oh no, no, no. Uh, yeah. I see. I thought I would be going too overboard by bringing all this up now. <laughs> oh no. See, yeah, I, yeah. I wasn't sure how far you wanted to go. Um, uh, but yeah, no. I'm, I'm scrolling through a list of Eddie's one hit wonders, and there is "Respect Yourself" by Bruce Willis, which is also a cover. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, uh, <laughs> so that's one it was in the eighties, and honestly, that's a uh, it's a pretty good place. Like, there's not a lot of news. We don't need to go. Like, there's a couple things I want to uh, touch on very quickly. Yeah. Um. So, uh, Tarantino's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood has cast Charles Manson, <laughs> and the person playing Charles Manson is also going to play Charles Manson. On the Netflix show Mindhunter. The, yes, uh, they're going to get the Manson and Mindhunter. Yes. And it's being played by Damon Harriman. You might not recognize that name, but I know who you'll recognize who he played. He's an Australian actor, best known 
playing Dewey Crow on Justified. <gasps> oh my god! Yep. That's so... Oh, I love Dewey Crow's the best. Just oh. the episode where he, like, wakes up and they told him they took his kidneys and he has to get him money. And then at the very end, he's, like, in the back room of a convenience store and Raylan's out there. He's just like, are you pissing? What? Are you pissing? You can't piss without kidneys. Like, I got my kidneys? No, no. He start, my... No, no. He starts peeing and he just goes, oh, my God. You saying I got four kidneys? <laughs> uh... And the other God, big thing, damn it, Raylan. That's so. I and the the Raylan. other thing that that stood out to me is uh, uh, VRV, which uh, you and I actually talked about uh, recently. Uh, yeah, I actually signed up for it last yeah. night and watched the first season of Harmon Quest. Yeah, um, great. Watch my brother, my brother and me, for real. Watch my brother, my brother and me. Everybody, watch my brother, my brother and me. Is that on Verb? Yes. Awesome. It's All so right. good. It's and the that best. was the D and D one you were talking about. No. No. My brother, my brother, and me is is the McElroys, who do have a D and D podcast. It's very good that everybody should listen okay. to. Okay. Okay. Um, but it's it's so good. Those are the best boys. They're the best yeah. boys. Anybody says they're not the best boys, are gonna fight with me. Um, <laughs> but yeah, VRV is like ten bucks a month. You get Crunchyroll, Funimation, Geek and Sundry, Rooster Teeth, Nerdist, a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, but they recently added something called Nick Splat. Yeah, I saw that. Which is. All Real Monsters, Cat Dog, Doug, Wild Thornberries, Rockers Modern Life, Angry Beavers, all that, Keenan and Kel, Amanda Show, Kablam, Are You Afraid of the Dark, Let's of the Hidden, Stential, Hidden Temple, Guts, Sneak Arcade, Double Dare, Hey Dude, Salute Your Short, just all that stuff. Like, yep. all the stuff you grew up with. All, all the that, late 90s Nickelodeon shit. So that, amazing. That goodness. That goodness. Um, right now, Twitch is streaming uh, episodes of the uh, Pokemon show. Uh, they're going to be streaming that for, like, the next like month or so um they're doing episodes every day from like 10 a.m to like 3 p.m and then repeating and on saturdays they're streaming the movies and uh that's that's pretty cool i've been poking into that here and there uh that's about it uh Cro the crow the 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 coen brothers new movie recently premiered at i think venice film festival um it's, i didn't realize uh, they were done with it yeah buster scruggs it's like a Oh, western yeah, that, okay. anthology it's going to netflix i'm very excited for that uh gotcha. that's a that's about it uh there's not much more we do i think that this opening segment is so good uh so much fun one hit wonders are great everybody loves one hit wonders um i hear I, that what are you doing uh, son of a bitch thank you for listening uh god damn it i am adam he is jesse uh you can find us Fuck. at you can find us at Consumerism on Twitter at uh, with the one for the I. Uh, listen to our other show, Pastamania. Uh, it is a wrestling time capsule. We are currently going through Samojo's TNA title reign. Uh, we are putting episodes of that up every other Wednesday. Episodes of Consumer Culture. While I've been getting it worked out, but from now on, these will all be going up on Sunday. You can find us every Sunday. You can follow me at Twitter. You can find me at davis 47 on Twitter. You can find Jesse stumped over his laptop because he still hasn't figured out Twitter yet. <laughs> uh, thank you so much for listening. This has been a ton of fun. Jesse, anything you would like to say, send us out. Fuck Flo Rida. God damn it. <laughs>